You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, don't forget, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Well, you have to love the baseball season. There really is no sport like it to have this soap opera of drama that you see day in, day out in a Major League Baseball season. Sunday, after another loss to the Marlins as the Mets got swept, the sky was falling, everyone was on the hot seat, and the whole season was coming apart at its seams. And then all of a sudden, you have a nice little series here against the Nationals. Three days later, you win all three games, two of them the last two nights, in really impressive late-inning comeback fashion, and you feel great again. So, Another big win by the Mets tonight. Going to talk about that game in the first half of the podcast. Later on in the show, I was really critical of Brody Van Wagenen earlier on in the week. And I want to talk about some of the good things he did as far as building out overall depth in the organization that we saw play out in tonight's game. But first, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, make sure to check me out on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizedOnline.com, a great website for you Mets fans to check out covering all things New York Mets. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friends' trips. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. All right, before we talk about the game that took place tonight, there were some injuries to go over. First off, Jeff McNeil was not in the lineup today due to hamstring tightness. It seems to be a day-to-day thing with the Mets playing a day game tomorrow. He might get one more day off, and then hopefully you expect to see him back in the lineup over the weekend. Brandon Nimmo actually headed to the IL today as he was suffering from a stiff neck. This is something that Nimmo has had to deal with all season long. It could explain why he's had such a rough start to his season. So I guess the pain was a little too much to deal with. They're going to let it kind of subside over the next 10 days before they get him back. And to replace him, the Mets purchased the contract of Rajay Davis and DFA'd Paul Seawall to make room for him on the 40-man roster. All right, now let's get into some baseball. Jacob deGrom was going against Max Scherzer today in a real pitcher's matchup, the battle of those two aces. It's always must-watch television, and they did not disappoint tonight. DeGrom really made his only mistake in the first inning when he allowed a solo home run to Adam Eaton. But from there, he was great. I mean, was he complete peak sharp Jacob DeGrom? I wouldn't say he was that great. He still struggled a little bit. He had a really tough sixth inning at the end of the game. You know, got a little frustrated with the umpire and who had a pretty wide strike zone early in the game but kind of tightened things up on DeGrom late. He was not happy about that. Overall, though, you look at the numbers, six innings, gave up two hits, allowed the one run on the home run, 
walked three and had eight strikeouts. So it was a good performance by DeGrom, something to build upon. And on the other side, Max Scherzer was great as well. I mean, he worked around four hits and two walks, struck out nine. He did not allow a run through six innings. Scherzer's going to be Scherzer. It's tough to get to him, but the Mets did a good job getting him out in the sixth inning, especially as the Nationals have a horrible bullpen this year that's been blowing a lot of games for them. So that's a good you know, formula for success when you're facing the Nationals. Same thing goes tomorrow as they're going against Steven Strasburg. Work the counts. Get that starter out of there. If you look at the top strikeout leaders in the National League right now, the Nationals have three of the five with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. So their starting rotation is great, but when you get past that, you can have some success, and the Mets found some later in the game tonight. Now, after DeGrom came out, the Mets' bullpen held up, pitched very well. Robert Gazelman threw a scoreless inning, and then Drew Gagneau continued his amazing season so far with another scoreless inning. I can't preach how great Gagneau has been enough. This guy's just, you know, you take, again, that first outing he had where he came in for Stephen Matz, pitched long relief. He gave up, I believe, his five runs in that game. Since then, six appearances, eight and two-third innings pitched. And no runs allowed. So, unbelievable numbers from Gagne. He's really filling in a nice role in the late innings, something the Mets were not expecting early on. But guys like Drew Gagne and Tyler Bachelor are currently stepping up, and they're starting to build a reputation for themselves to get more work as the season progresses, even as some of those injured relievers come back to the Mets, like a Justin Wilson. All right, so all the scoring for the Mets came in the bottom of the eighth inning. J.D. Davis struck out to start off the inning, but then Adini Echevarria hit a double off the wall. Todd Frazier came up from there, and it was an interesting situation because you had Frazier up. He's hitting you know, low 200s this year. Hasn't been great, but he has been better as of late. You had an empty base of first base, and you had Carlos Gomez on deck. Gomez, of course, has not been good since coming up, and it seemed like the Nationals knew that and kind of pitched around Todd Frazier. They had Sean Doolittle up in the bullpen. They were trying to get him ready. He wasn't ready to face Frazier. And Davey Martinez is clearly gun shy with managing his bullpen with the Nationals as bad as they've been. So he's trying to get Doolittle ready. And basically, they just kind of pitch around Frazier. He draws a four pitch walk. Didn't really attack him at all. Not even on the 2 0 count, the 3 0 count, nothing. And you brought up Carlos Gomez, and they and they bring Doolittle in to face him. But at that point, you know, you add another runner on base. On the first pitch, when Doolittle comes in, he hits Carlos Gomez. That loads the bases. And then with the bases loaded, Juan Lagares comes up. And again, this is kind of an oversight. I'm not going to sit here and bash the opposing manager too much. But with Juan Lagares next up, this is a guy who was 2-for-4 in his career against Sean Doolittle. Doolittle is a fastball pitcher. Juan Lagares is a fastball hitter. And sure enough, Lagares came through in a big spot. And I will say this, though. I was not expecting Lagares to come through. He hasn't earned that type of you know, reputation to believe that he's going to come through in a big spot. And credit to Lagares, he does. He rips a double into the gap, which clears the bases, scoring three runs, giving the Mets the lead. And you had Edwin Diaz up. So from that point, you felt great. You thought, all right, the Mets have a really good chance to win this game now. But things only got better for the Mets as Wilson Ramos was intentionally walked and Rajay Davis, the newest Met, came up to the plate. Now think about the day that Rajay Davis had. 
He said he was in Lehigh Acres in Pennsylvania taking BP when he found out he was getting in the call-up. Now, this was at 5 o'clock tonight. And actually, again, this shows you how imperative it was for the Mets to get their AAA affiliate in Syracuse because last year the affiliate would be in Las Vegas playing out on the West Coast, whether they were home or on the road. That team was out on the West Coast. There'd be no chance to get a quick replacement up the way the Mets were able to do today with Rajay Davis. They give him the call up. He hops in an Uber, which apparently cost upwards of $200 to go from Pennsylvania all the way over to New York. He gets there, gets the city field in the third inning, doesn't know how to get to the clubhouse, is all confused, finally gets himself situated, becomes the last man to come off the bench, and in that huge spot, Rajay Davis crushes a three-run home run to essentially put the game away. So great moment for Davis, huge comeback victory for the Mets. They now have an opportunity tomorrow to sweep the Nationals in a four-game series, which would be huge for them coming off of, again, that atrocious sweep by the Marlins over the weekend. So when we get back from the break, again, I want to talk about Brody Van Wagen and some of this minor league depth that he brought into the organization, such as Rajay Davis, which paid off in a big way tonight. Remember, though, to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya. With their personally curated playlists, and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Mets. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable alternative to Viagra and Cialis with the same FDA-approved active ingredients, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueBluechew.com promo code MLB to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for supporting this podcast. All right, you are back listening to Locked On Mets, and I wanted to talk about Brody Van Wagen, and I want to give him some credit here for bringing all this minor league depth into the organization. Now, I was tough on him on Monday, and I'm going to continue to be tough on him to a certain extent as the major league roster, particularly the additions that he made, such as Wilson Ramos, Robinson Cano, Justin Wilson, Jerry's Familia, All those moves have not worked out up to this point. So I was hard on him earlier on in the week, and I'll continue to stay on him. But one thing Brody has done is there's been certain aspects of running your team and your organization that the Mets have kind of neglected over the years. Part of that was the analytics, and you know Brody has definitely overhauled that department. Now another big part has been minor league depth, building out a roster past 25 men. 
You know, Sandy Alderson's regime, it was always a really nice, tidy 25-man roster. But once you got past that, there was not a lot of depth to call to. So you were relying on, you know, prospects who really weren't that great or, you know, players who could hit AAA pitching and never have had success in the major leagues. And what Brody did was he went out and he found a lot of free agents who were not finding work. He said, hey, look, come over to the Mets. We'll give you an opportunity. And they structured a lot of contracts that worked. And they, they let these guys like Carlos Gomez, like Adani Echeverria, like Rajay Davis, get time in the minor leagues to continue to work on their swing instead of you know, trying to find someone off the scrap heap who hadn't been playing. So by getting these guys in the organization early, in the offseason, to go through spring training and everything, for one, you feel like they're more a part of the team. And two, again, there's guys you can go to with major league experience who at least aren't going to be phased by playing at that big league level. Now, whether they have enough left in the tank to produce, I mean, that's still you know a question mark. You know, neither Adani Echevarria or Carlos Gomez, the two guys who have been up here the longest, neither one of them has hit at this point. But again, it's just it's having those guys there to call on. And tonight, Rajay Davis is the first one that really comes through in a big spot, hitting that three-run home run. So, again, it's it's the small things, but tonight, it helps you win a ball game. Maybe Davis is in the lineup tomorrow and he helps you again. Carlos Gomez at some point might break out. It's just good to have these guys. And you look at the organization right now. You look at AAA. There's not a lot of top prospects, especially position players, ready to step in. But you still have guys like Dilson Herrera, who I talked about yesterday, playing well, ready to, to maybe come up at some point. You still had Danny Espinosa, a longtime Major League veteran, who can play shortstop. He's in the minor leagues right now still. You have Gregor Blanco, same thing. Ruben Tejada just got assigned to Double A Binghamton. Tejada, of course, was the Mets shortstop for years leading up to their World Series appearance in 2015. He's another guy. Who knows what you got there, but... Whether any of these guys actually make a tangible impact this year, it's not known yet. But the fact that they have them, the fact that they made the smart decision to try to find some talent this way, it shows more of a different approach that Brody has brought into this team. And I definitely like seeing a guy like Rajay Davis come up tonight than seeing, I don't know, Eric Campbell. <laughs> so that's just something I'll say. Also, the greatest example of building out the depth on this roster is J.D. Davis. This is a guy that they were not even sure was going to make the team coming out of spring training. If it wasn't for the injuries to Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier, he does not make the team. But all of a sudden, he has become an integral part of this lineup. And you look at tonight, what he did. What Did he have the best night? Absolutely not. He struck out three times. He went one for four. He did hit a double off Max Scherzer. But what he did more importantly is he saw 22 pitches off of Scherzer. Those are quality at bats. Scherzer only threw 109 pitches altogether. Those 22 pitches from J.D. Davis, that's an extra inning right there. That's an inning of work for Max Scherzer. And that inning, I mean, that proves huge. Okay, Scherzer can do a lot with the extra, say, 15 pitches had Davis gotten out quickly. By extending those at bats out, he did amazing work, and the Mets were able to get into that bullpen, and they ultimately win the game because of it. And you look at Davis's numbers across the season. He has five home runs right now. He's hitting 282 with a 352 on base percentage, good for an 825 OPS, 
which ranks fourth on the team right now behind Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, and Jeff McNeil. So he's been one of your most valuable players. And even looking at some of the more advanced stats, here he is hitting his hard hit percentage, right? This is one of the those advanced numbers that drew the Mets towards J.D. Davis because he was always hitting the ball hard. The major league average of hard hit percentage is 34.2%. This year, J.D. Davis, his hard hit percentage is 48.1, which basically means that you know one out of two times that J.D. Davis is connecting with the baseball, he's hitting it hard. And when you hit the, the ball hard, good things happen. So J.D. Davis has been the best move, clearly, that Brody Van Wagenen has made it to this point. And you couple that with some of the other moves he's made, I think you can give Brody, again, it, it, it's his, his grade is uneven until some of the major league pieces pan out, but he's done some good things. So I was really hard on him on Monday. He has done a few good things. Now, as I talk about OPS, one thing I noticed as I was looking up J.D. Davis's OPS compared to the rest of the team is the fact that the Mets really do have a young core to build around. If you look right now at the guys with the top OPS on this team, it goes again, Pete Alonso, Conforto, Jeff McNeil, Dominic Smith with an 854 OPS, J.D. Davis, Ahmed Rosario is the next guy, and if you go further down, Brandon Nimmo. So you're talking about you know, OPS is the statistic that people point to as the best indicator for how productive an offensive player is. And your best six hitters are all young guys who are under team control for a long time. So, for one, it shows you that the veterans have not produced this year, but it also shows you that there's a bright future on the horizon. Anyway, the Mets have an opportunity tomorrow again to sweep the Washington Nationals in a four-game series. It will be Steven Strasburg going against Steven Matz with a 12 o'clock start. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, don't forget, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked on Mets.